what is going on, problems. men of abundance? I am Walter Carmichael, uh, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast. This is the Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former Army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Share Men of Abundance with everyone in your circle. One really fun and cool way to do that is while you're listening to this on your phone, if you are listening on your phone, take a screenshot of the episode and post it on your favorite social media platform and hashtag MOA and hashtag Men of Abundance. I ask you to hashtag Men of Abundance because there's another hashtag MOA and it's some MLM or something like that that's in Asia and it really is overpowering the MOA. But I do want to hashtag MOA so I can find it once in a while through all of their hashtags. But hashtag men of abundance is a little bit long for some people and I get it. But at least if you hashtag it that way, I can find it and others can find it as well. And I greatly appreciate it. Now, another great way to pay it forward and to give me some very valuable feedback is to go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. I want the review because that way I know what you're thinking, what you're getting out of the conversation, and share with me specifically what you liked best about the specific conversation or the episode that you were listening to, or even overall about the show. This is very valuable information to me, and when you leave a rating, it pushes Men of Abundance up in the search engines for the category. Greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, if you're not on iTunes, then leave a rating and review in the podcast player that you are listening to this on, And in some podcast players, you can leave a comment under this specific episode that is greatly appreciated because when that content is there, it again pushes that episode up in the search engines of that specific podcast player. Now, one last thing before I get into today's conversation. If you're a business owner, what you don't know, the strategies you don't know about marketing and business in general is hurting your business. I promise you, you are leaving money on the table. If you care to find out what I'm talking about, check out my brand new podcast, Business Owner Growth. It's called Business Owner Growth Podcast. When you grow, your business grows. Look it up on your favorite podcast player. Subscribe so that you don't miss one single episode and you learn the innovative strategies that I talk about over there about 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to be doing some interviews, but mostly it's just me sharing strategies that you most likely are not implementing in your business. I will have the link for that podcast as well as the private Facebook group associated with that podcast and an upcoming magazine, Business Owner Growth Magazine, is going to be coming out of this as well. Now, our conversation today is with a father and son team, and amongst many other things, we get pretty deep, but primarily we're going to be talking about building the vital relationship between father and son. I strongly suggest you check out their website, tenderlions.org. I'll have that link up in the show notes, tenderlions.org, because their site has their amazing book on the cover, but also has some really important stats that you need to look at and pay attention to if you want to have an amazing relationship with your children and just live an amazing, fulfilling life of abundance. Now, let me share with you a little bit of background about Jeff and Brian Becker. Jeff is the son, and he is a co-founder and director of Powerhouse Hoops, a nationally known basketball academy in Phoenix. 
which strives to develop character in young men through basketball. Jeff is also a clinician with some of the leading sports camps across the country and internationally, including being the national lead skills coach for the prestigious CP3 National Middle School Combine and the CP3 Rising Stars National Camps. In his free time, Jeff stresses the importance of giving back to the local community through servant leadership. He frequently volunteers at local youth facilities and group homes around the greater Phoenix area. Brian Becker has had a varied career as an educator, business owner, and nonprofit executive for nearly 20 years. Today, Brian consults with companies and nonprofits to improve their overall culture, quality, and performance. He also provides leadership coaching to executives and aspiring leaders. Brian is a frequent workshop leader and conference speaker. Having delivered more than a thousand presentations in his last 25 years throughout the United States, as well as Canada, England, Singapore, South America, and Puerto Rico. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Jeff and Brian Becker. Brian and Jeff, welcome to Men of Abundance. How are you doing today? It's great. We're glad to be with you. Thanks for uh, having us on, Wally. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. And actually, you know, the funny thing is, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but I started this particular platform um, it's one of those things when there's a need, a platform will come, I guess, because <laughs> it was it was explained to me that you two were going to be in two different locations, and I knew there were other platforms that could do that, but then this one popped up, and I decided to use this platform so that I could talk to folks, uh, two different people in two different locations. So where are you in the world? Well, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. And this is Brian, by the way, for your listeners. I'm the dad. I'm in Chicago today, where I live. Okay, well, I have not been to Chicago yet, but I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, it's uh, about 110 and sunny like always. Oh, brother, I'm, I'm familiar. In fact, I'm going to be taking a road trip um, in July, uh, pretty much the whole month of July and part of August. I'll be on a road trip with uh, a couple of my, two of my boys. And uh, we're going to, one of the places we're going is to visit folks down in Phoenix. So I don't know about that time of year. I don't know why we, well, I do know why we decided to do that. My son's <laughs> going to be going to Korea in August. So we wanted to, to get that done and, and uh, get out to Phoenix. Hey, so. we're, always, we're always welcoming to you. Excellent. Oh, I appreciate that. It's been many years. I left there when I was 20 and went back several times, you know, of course, on vacation. When I'm, I still got family that lives there and all my high school friends and everybody. So uh, mm-hmm. just a great place. But I've been so many other places in the world, I had to be closer to a larger body of water. So here I am in Florida. <laughs> but I have not been to Chicago yet. I'm looking forward to that at some point. So before we get into our conversation, I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude. So if you would, what do you two have to be grateful for today? That's a really good question. Okay, yeah. Well, one, uh, in the last couple of weeks, Jeff and I have just had dozens, if not a hundred conversations with people about the importance of the father-son relationship and that's what we're all about today you know and so it's just terrific that we can have that opportunity to talk about the father-son relationship and I'm also just really grateful for my family my wife my kids my grandchild uh, that I you know when I had became a grandfather recently I found a spot in my heart I just didn't know existed Wally so I'm really grateful for my family that's exciting Jeff what about you well, I would say it's not the same thing. I just spent this uh, last weekend with my fiance actually in Chicago for a wedding shower and 
um, being able to be there with family and uh, my fiance's family and uh, you know my father and I did a book signing and book booked a reading and discussion with a, a small group of people that were interested in the book and it was just it was very fulfilling I would say and just like you said attitude of gratitude is something that I definitely live by and, and wake up to every day yeah that's wonderful thanks for sharing that guys and you know tender lions your book I've had a chance to thumb through it. I honestly have not read the entire thing. And that's how I often do with a lot of books because I get so many books sent to me. Plus, I've got stuff that I'm working on. So I, I get through that as far as reading content. Audio, I just burn right through books like crazy. But I'm super excited about what you two are doing and your message that you're sharing with your book. And I have a lot of other questions in reference to that and what your thoughts are as I've been going through it. But here on Men of Abundance, we like to get to know the men behind the abundance, not just the projects that they're working on. What And that kind of feeds into, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. So if you would, individually, please um, describe yourself. Uh, this is Brian, uh, the dad. The first word that came to mind, Wally, was broken. You know, I, and I'm 60, I'll be 62 in a couple of weeks. And I've got a lot of flaws. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. But I'm also, uh, I think I'm unstoppable. You know, I fall down, I get up. I fall down, I get up. I fall down, I get up. Uh, I'm a better listener than I used to be. I'm less judgmental than I used to be. Um, the word grace comes to mind. I think I'm more forgiving, more accepting, and trying to be a more loving person. And that seems to be working for me. <laughs> well, as long as you have that figured out, that's half the battle, man. Well, it took me, it took me, you know, more than half of my life to figure out that I wasn't right about everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm glad it didn't take me quite that long. Um, but that's part of the reason why these messages have to be shared, because as we all know, you know, as fathers, our kids, they just have to learn from, they just have to learn through the school of hard knots. I know I did. Uh, and it, if, if we could just learn from the people that came before us, whether they're our parents or others, it would make life so much easier on all of us. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Oh, I think I'm a man of passion. Uh, I think I try to live every day to, you know, one of my favorite quotes uh, is just to make someone's day better and uh, be the best part of another person's day. And so I live by passion of whether that's in – my, my field of work, um, interacting with someone, with my fiance. I, I just try to make sure that, that I'm, you know, I phrase to my, my kids, uh, I'm sorry, in the basketball field I work, and uh, to my players is I'm, I'm either a fountain or a drain. You're either going to bring us life and bring us energy or you're going to suck life out of us. So I try to be a fountain to everybody that I interact with. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, there's so many ways that we can do that. What are some of the ways that you do that specifically within your community and those that you come in contact with? You know, hey, you, you said it, attitude of gratitude. Um, I think that, and I think that we'll talk about a little bit more, is just being, being humble, um, you know, really truly appreciating what God has given us and uh, knowing that, that, we are servant to him, but also that we are servant to others. And that you, you know, just like on the basketball court, I tell my players, hey, you can't play this one on five. And just like on the basketball, you can't you can't do this alone in, in life as well. And mm -hmm. so I think that for for me, it's 
you gotta, you know, it, it takes a village to grow a child, and it, and it takes a village to grow to grow a man as well. Um, so accountability, humility, and vulnerability. You know, it does. You know, I was recently reading a book, and this was actually a book from one of the guys I just recently had a conversation with. Well, actually, it was an audio book, so I've been getting through it pretty quickly. And there was a point in this book that talks about how men should not take on like when a, it's, it's unmanly to marry another woman who has already has children and for that man to raise those children. And I just personally, I'll tell you straight up, my thoughts on that are it's appalling that anyone would think that, that it's unmanly to raise another man's children and to remarry a woman who, who marry a woman who already has children from another man and to raise that man's children that is unmanly. I personally believe that we should all be fathers or at least father figures to all the young men and women for that matter in our in our communities and if you have the opportunity to marry into a family and you can be a great role model for those children then you should do that as well what are your thoughts on that i think I would have a really hard time with whoever's writing that book, Wally. <laughs> Jeff and I have lived in, I mean, Jeff grew up in a western suburb of Chicago, which is very urban, a lot of poor, very diverse, Latino, black, um, a lot of fatherlessness in the neighborhood where we live. And I just think that we owe it to that community to be strong men, to be leaders, to Obviously, I can't walk into that house and say, hey, I'm going to be your dad. But when we have an opportunity to have influence and show character, show leadership, show discipline, show kindness, we owe it to them and to ourselves and that community to, to play that role, even if it's uncomfortable for us. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I haven't put the book down entirely yet because that was strike two in this particular book. But um <laughs> i'm wanting to I'm, i keep an open mind on any s subject matter that's being presented to me and some of it is intriguing and and does make a little bit of sense but that right there was just it, it didn't sit well with me at all so yeah i mean and that, that uh, at some point I'll, <laughs> I'll reveal that book at some point and uh see if others can get a hold of it and see what they think of it but yeah it didn't sit very well with me at all but you know one of the conversations I like to have here on Men of Abundance is the kick in the gut moment. And the reason why I do this is because many of us have them. And it's times like this that really test who we are as a person, as a man, as a man of abundance. And sometimes it keeps us down. In some cases, uh, it changes completely changes the trajectory of our lives. So if you would, share with us a kick in the gut moment that really took you to your knees and really make us feel that. When um, I was about, uh, let's see, when I was about 45 years old, I had been keeping some pretty dark secrets from my family for a long time. Uh, I uh, Earlier on, I had a job where I traveled too much, I partied too much, I got involved with pornography, I crossed a lot of boundaries. I, eventually, eventually, while I became unfaithful, and I kept that a secret for more than 10 years, and I just swore I would go to my grave for that. And every day I'd look in the mirror in the morning, and I did not like what I saw. And I eventually decided that I, I was going to have to get honest with my family, my wife and my kids, if I was going to be any kind of a man of integrity and be able to live with my head held high and not live this double life. 
And so <clears throat> the day that I told my wife about all these secrets that I'd been keeping, I was terrified. And at the same time, I could say it was maybe the hardest day of my life, but it was probably not probably it was the most important day of my adult life um, because it was a defining moment where I said, I'm willing to risk all of this in order to be a person of integrity. And hopefully my wife and family could forgive me and we could we could start over and and build anew on the trust and the love and the understanding in our family. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's that's a lot of information to share, and it's I can imagine the, uh, the that moment and that day that you decided to um, make that secret at least known to your to your wife and your family. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Uh, thoughts specifically on that situation or my own kind of kick in the gut? Because I can go on either. <laughs> yeah, both actually. I would like to know what your kick in the gut moment is, but what was your thought process when that was revealed? Oh, great question. I think that, you know, I was I was still just a young teenage boy. I was 14 years old and I vivid, but I still vividly remember. Now I'm now I'm almost 32. So, um, you know, almost 20 years ago I still vividly remember sitting in that living room um, and my dad kind of revealing this secret uh, to us as a family and as me growing up and, and being a young man, I was I was just so there were so many questions you know one i'm going through puberty and i see all my friends and you know on sleepovers they're sneaking their dad's magazines you know from their closets and you know so i just thought you know this pornography um or whatever these demons were held within an individual i, I thought that was kind of normal uh i grew up in this kind of bubble where my families the my friends all their parents were still married um, so I just thought I kind of lived in a bubble where everything was normal. And so to see kind of this traumatic effect, uh, I was, I was in for a rude awakening of, of what it really takes for a family and relationships, uh, to exist and to be loving long-term. Yeah, I get that. And Brian, what was your background coming up? I mean, was you were you exposed to pornography in that type of environment as a young man? I discovered a pornographic magazine on a country road uh, totally by accident. I was maybe 12 years old. I lived, grew up on a farm. I had never seen anything like that before. I didn't even know exactly what I was finding. Uh, but I can tell you, I still remember that moment. And I can remember feeling like I got plugged in to some sort of an electric circuit. And um, uh, that became something where it went from being like intriguing to something later on that was really magnetic. And eventually it became obsessive and addictive for me. And uh, I crossed a lot of boundaries because of that. And this lot of shame and guilt that that went along with that over, you know, nearly 20 years of my life. Yeah, I asked that question because that was my I, I grew up around it. I grew up around pornographic VHSs and magazines and stuff, uh, both in my mom and dad's house. And then when my mom finally divorced my dad, uh, I found some as well as my stepdad's house as well. So it was something that was, I guess you could say, was normal in my world. Uh, didn't think anything of it. Even as I got married, one of the common things I would read was penthouse forums. 
and openly. I mean, it was not even uh, a question that just, just, it was just normal for me at that point. And through different experiences throughout life and just found that it's much more addictive and much more of a problem uh, within a relationship, uh, even though I've known couples that both engaged in pornographic uh, videos and the such, but uh, <laughs> most of those uh, relationships ended up ending uh, for various reasons. And one of them, I'm sure, has something to do with that activity, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I think that, um, I don't think, I'm almost certain that when people engage in pornography or lusting, masturbation, et cetera, on a regular basis, they lose their ability to have real emotional connections with their girlfriend, their partner, their spouse, because they're turning all of that emotional energy that's intended to be in the intimate one-on-one relationship to something that's, that's fake, to something that's fantasy. And so yeah. that's just a huge problem of, of uh, and if a father is involved with that and can't connect emotionally with his spouse, he's certainly not going to be able to connect emotionally with his kids. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely correct. So, Jeff, what was your kick in the gut moment? Whew, um, I would say about four years ago, uh, again, working within the, the club basketball community. Um, and if people, the listeners are familiar with club sports, I, I, we had a very successful club program. And, you know, this was four years ago, so I was roughly 26, 27, and uh, there was a lot of unethical things from major donors, uh, from people that were kind of on the board of directors, I would say, and they questioned kind of my integrity and morals as to they wanted me to fire some of our my closest workers and directors and these are coming people from the higher ups that obviously in, in some nonprofit world the, the, the donors and them are not around on the day-to-day basis and you know it was the the first true test of who am I as a man and what do I believe is right and what do I stand for and uh, I remember vividly sitting with those two individuals and just saying hey this isn't going to work and you know I'm pulling the plug from from this club, and it's going to affect hundreds of families around the Southwest. But I have to do what's right, and and you know, to to my standards and my values. What were some examples that you could share? Um, you know, I think there was there was um, embezzlement. There was people that were from the outside looking in. That had zero effect on the day-to-day operations of the business that wanted to make day-to-day operational changes, um, you know, and they were making these these decisions off of they were making these decisions off of rumors, and uh, so I think the biggest thing was where's a lot of this money, uh, where are the people's hearts at, you know, club basketball or club sports in general. It, to some people, it's about winning and status and fame. And for me, it's about character building and growing a better person through the sport and holding people accountable. And our visions didn't align. Um, and, and so for me, again, just being 26, 27, it was such a huge learning experience uh, to, to really grow and blossom into what were my pillars of a man and as a business that I wanted to run. 
What do you feel was the is the motivation in situations like that? Because I'm and I'm asking that question because I'm I try to get a little bit deeper understanding as to why people do the things they do in these environments that seem to be such a positive club, such a positive environment for young men and women and everybody involved. And then you just have a few people that are motivated mm-hmm. to do this type of stuff. It's it's a great question. I think that, honestly, who was I? I was just talking to someone, I think today or yesterday, and the three words they said were fame, power, and egos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times, and I think this goes along with any business or relationship, um, fame, power, ego, there's no sense of humility. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster. And if you don't look at the long-term vision and beliefs of why you're doing this and I think of relationships and marriage and you know I look at this with my fiance and myself of that there has to be a common vision and goal in mind and you can't look at the quick shortcomings of an individual and you have to really look at the long-term love and happiness of why you started this yeah yeah I get that thanks for sharing that the insight is very powerful because I don't know. I just don't understand the whole reasoning. And I, I get that it, fame and power for sure just make people crazy and do irrational things that I don't know. They wouldn't feel they, I guess they would normally do other, otherwise until they get past that, that ego. You know, there's a, a phrase, I don't know where it came from, that says that these kinds of intense problems uh, don't develop a man's character, they reveal a man's character. Mm-hmm. And when the real heat comes on and tempers flare and people get pushed into a corner, then you see what the person really values or what kind of what kind of stuff they're made out of. I remember having many long conversations with Jeff back at that time. I didn't understand all the details that were going on, but I ended every single phone call with take the high road, Jeff, you know, just make sure that there's, you know, when you walk away from this, or if you walk away from this, that you, you're able to hold your head high, and you're able to say, we believe we did the right thing, regardless of uh, what other people might say about us. And I really believe that he did take the high road there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just takes one person. It really does. It just takes one person to say, no, this has to stop or reveal it. Uh, and I'm, it's very close to me right now. It's actually been on top of my mind because this morning I was watching some uh, live Facebook feeds of uh, some people, some whistleblowers within the VA and the way that they've been treated, but they still go after it because they know, they feel they're doing what's right. And it, there's many, many examples out there. That's just personal to me because I'm a veteran. Uh, but it just, it's, it's scary to do something like that. And Jeff, I highly commend you for it, man. Hey, I appreciate it. It was uh, like my dad said, um, you know, my, my worst day was my most important day of, of learning through it. And, and really, I think it turned me into a stronger, better man because of it, because it really emphasized my, my pillars of faith and, and what I stand for as a man. Yeah, again, I appreciate it. You know, at this point, I like to ask, you know, how you're paying it forward. But I already pretty much shared some of that when I introduced you to earlier. But this book that you've got out, I love that you guys wrote it together. And the insights in it, and you already brought up one thing about, you know, the the lessons for your son, but also, there's so many things that I've kind of thumbed through here and in here. But life's about choices. 
I'm a huge advocate for everything starts with a choice. And that was your choice to make that decision to uh, not put up with that kind of activity. But you're in the book, you're really trying to have this conversation and and have the reader have that conversation with their kids. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, one thing is that you know, Jeff and I are big believers in um, in making sure that you pause and ask that question. You know, what's the right choice here? You know, uh, there's a lot of people that don't take time for reflection. Um, and so many people are just like, well, why do I have such big credit card debt or why is my family such a mess? Well, if that's the kind of question you're asking yourself, you're going to keep looking at the problem. Well, I had to ask myself, what's possible? What could my future look like? What values do I really hold? And am I living aligned with those values? And when you ask yourself the right kind of question, then your mind starts to move in that direction. So I had to stop looking at the problem and start looking at the possibilities. And uh, that involved making some choices that I'm telling you, they were not easy, but they were vitally important. You know, there's a, a short section in the book about short-term pain equals long-term gain. That's true in relationships, in being physically healthy, in your, in your nutrition, short-term gain, long-term pain. And the opposite of that is true also. We, we frequently focus on, um, we fr- frequently focus what's right in front of us, which sometimes you have to, uh, but we need to keep playing the long game, looking into the, into the uh, future. Right. The analogy on that one is, you know, looking at the bug on your windshield while you're doing 60 miles an hour down the highway. And that's that's exactly what people are doing in their life. And and they're focusing on the wrong things where where uh, focus goes, energy flows. And if you're focusing on and I, I love how you stated that, that if you're focusing on the negative and you're asking the wrong questions, you're going to keep getting the wrong answers. You got to ask yourself the right questions, change your questions, change your life. What are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Oh, it's it's really good. There's there's I've written "Do Right, Not Easy" um, in multiple mm. places around my house, my office, in my car. Um, you know, it's it's not about the immediate immediate gratification. Um, you know, one of the quotes we talk about in the book is "Live by principles rather than feelings." And a lot of times, <laughs> I think a lot a lot of us are. We live off of this instant gratification or the feelings immediately compared to the principles and the values of what we truly want to be as a man. Uh, Because let's be honest, there's a lot out there in this world today of um, on social media, on TV, every time you turn on your phone or uh, laptop or whatever, um, there's a lot of things that can try the, you know, can try to route you the wrong way. And so I, Speaking on myself, I just need a lot of reminders, and and I think "do right, not easy" is is the simplest phrase for me to live by. I totally agree with agree with that, you know, and I specifically agree with as well what you're talking about about. Um, no, I thought lost my train of thought, but the bottom line is this: it, it reminds me of a conversation I just had this weekend. Uh, one of my neighbors over here, um, me being white, everybody knows that. My neighbor's black. He is a uh, grew up here in Tampa, Florida, in the Tampa area in Florida, and um, he's a Marine veteran. And we, me, him, and my wife, we sat here and talked until midnight. Now we have different 
political views. We have different views on a lot of things. But we have conversations about the hard conversations, and that's what it was. We don't let our emotions get involved, but we look past our emotion and we try to have a logical conversation. Not a conversation based on emotions, but a conversation based on values. And we try to speak rationally. Now, him and my wife both have a more close viewpoint than I do. And that's my wife and I always have these conversations. But it's nice for me to have these conversations with somebody outside my household, but we can have a civil conversation. Most people, when I was an equal opportunity advisor, when I would have complainants come to my office, just just so upset, crying, I would make an appointment with them for another, either later that day, depending on the severity of the situation, make sure everybody's safe, or maybe a day or two later so that they could calm down because we could not have a rational conversation as long as emotions were involved. We had to be able to calm down. Oh, I think that's really, I think that's really vital. Um, it's been our experience that the higher the emotions go, the more a person will dig in. You know, and there's a simple little phrase that says you can't make any forward progress with your heels dug in. And when when people are really afraid, really angry, really scared, they're in their, you know, like reptilian brain. (laughs) And so it's either fight or flight. Mm -hmm. You've got to give yourself space. You know, when people are really amped up like that and we see it all the time, uh, they're not going to make smart long term decisions. They're going to make decisions that only help them get from point A to point B. You know, if your house is on fire, you have to do that. When you're talking about rebuilding a family relationship, then you need to push back and, and mm-hmm. take the long view and have patience and, and uh, a listening perspective. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Wally. How do you have that conversation with, with the children, with, with the young men and women? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, one, uh, if you think it's all going to go well, you're unrealistic. You know, your kids are going to come to you with really challenging things at times. And so um, take a breath. Uh, Realize that they're looking at it through the eyes of an adolescent whose brain is not fully developed yet. Um, They have a different set of of, uh, values uh, around things than you do. What success looks like to a 40-year-old is way different than a 14-year-old. And so... um, Patience, love, long-term, don't give up. Um, uh, uh, feed, feed back to them. To say, here's what I'm hearing instead of like, that will never work, Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't always good at that. Uh, I, it's partially because I was still into my addiction, and so I was hiding things. I was afraid, and I couldn't make a sound emotional choice when I'm in that kind of state of mind. So I was trying to control things and and be right about everything and prove that I had my act together because I had such a thick facade. And it wasn't until I could get honest about those things that I I could get a different perspective. As I was holding so tightly to things, I couldn't let go. What are your thoughts about using uh, and tapping into outside resources as far as having that conversation? Meaning, I find that a lot of guys, men specifically, who feel that I know all the answers, and if I don't know all the answers, basically, I'm just going to act like I know all the answers and try to solve my child's problem or my relationship problem when 
I, I, I think I may know the answer to this. I mean, I personally know that if I can get somebody who knows a little bit more about this particular field or maybe had this conversation already, um, I might be able to get some better information for my son, myself, and everybody involved. Yeah, I'd like Jeff to answer that one. Yesterday, we did a book signing and somebody at the book signing asked him what she thought were the two or three most important things that helped us rebuild our relationship. Jeff, you want to expand on that? Yeah, sure. Um, in, in the book, we talk about the three H's and that's humility, honesty and help. And I think it goes mm-hmm. right along with what you guys were saying. And, and I think the one thing, whether this was with my dad in a certain situation um, in, in the relationship world or in the business world, the first and foremost is you have to, there has to be a sense of humility. Uh, without humility, without being humble, without being vulnerable with yourself, you'll never have a true sense of honesty with yourself. And I think that's one thing that my dad, looking himself in the mirror and hating what he saw month after month, year after year, he never was truly honest because he was never truly humble about it. And um, once he got honest with himself, he got humble with, with his wife, my mom, and our family. Um, and then the last one is help. I, I think that uh, in a relationship, I think that well, my, my mom and my dad got professional help. Uh, we got help as a family. Uh, and we got help on how to have deep, hard conversations because surface-level conversations don't really rip off the Band-Aid. Uh, we had to have hard conversations and learn how to have hard conversations to rebuild that trust and that love back into the family of where we are today. Wonderful. Yeah, excellent answer. Thanks for sharing that. That is extremely important. I, it took me years to figure that out. And, uh, well, uh, years I'm 50. I just turned 50 in May, so it seems like years for me. But it could have been done a lot earlier if I had asked for help. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Wally, there was one other thing that I was thinking about when Jeff was sharing that, and that is that when our family was in its darkest place, Jeff was angry at me, rightfully so. He was afraid of what was happening, and he was isolated. And in a teenage boy, to be angry, afraid, and isolated is a recipe for problems. And we see that in a high percentage of youth today, you know, 30% of boys don't live with their dads. Uh, another high percentage live in homes where the dad's physically there, but emotionally checked out. So you get this high percentage of boys that don't have a strong emotional connection with their dad. So it's so important that the dad or the mom or both realize they're dealing with this anger, this fear, this isolation. And so trying to provide an environment that it's okay to talk about things that matter and that means that the dad has to communicate things about that he may be uncomfortable with relationships, money, sex, jobs, uh, in order to s- establish an environment where the son knows it's safe to talk about these hard things. Yeah, that's extremely important. I totally agree with that. My first person that I could actually have those conversations with, in fact, was my freshman high school football coach. Now, my dad was there, but my dad just wanted to be a friend. Uh, he wanted to do things with us that he shouldn't have been doing. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we shouldn't have been doing with our dad, uh, or period, for that matter. Uh, so my, my high school football coach is really that real father figure. Looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on, I was asked the question, who was your first, you know, who was the first mentor or person you saw as a father figure? It wasn't my dad. It was my high school football coach. So, again, 
you know, that's why I just think it's such an amazing thing of what you're doing in working in the communities in these uh, coaching programs or these sports programs because a lot of times that's where our youth is getting some of their uh, values from and some of the best mentorship. Uh, and, you know, like you're saying, if anything is jeopardizing that, then you're jeopardizing the entire community. Yeah, I think I think there's there's two good points of what you're talking about. The mentorship side is um, my master's in criminal justice, and, and and my final thesis paper was on the importance of after school programming. And one of the major factors of kids making sure they didn't become uh, a product, you know, or a product of their environment or going to juvenile the juvenile justice system was they needed a strong, positive mentor in their life. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing I, I keep thinking about when you're talking about the mentorship side and the coaching side is I heard a quote one time from a college coach and he said, understand your potential impact on, on the kids that you're dealing with. And he didn't say the impact, but he under, he said, like you, like you were talking about the potential impact because these kids don't understand it today or tomorrow. Um, but what I love the most is, getting those those high school graduation or college graduation invites or even some of my kids will text me on Father's Day because they don't have a father figure in their life. Um, those are the things of the potential impact that you are making on these young men or young women that, that last 10, 15, 20 years from now. Absolutely, a lifetime for that matter because it's been years since I played high school football and that guy busted my – chops and put me in my place multiple times uh lord knows i needed it <laughs> so guys we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders you ready to do that absolutely let's go excellent share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today um, I, <laughs> I think one to three actionable steps I think the first, and I would say the three H's, I, I go back to that's something you can do in a relationship, in a business, um, in marriage, is you, you have to be humble, you have to be honest, and you have to get help. Um, you know, I can say that I, I try and I strive to be humble. Uh, I try and strive to be very honest with myself and with my fiance, but also my business partners. And, and, and I seek help. I, I, what I call my personal board of directors, um, I have guys that I trust. Uh, that know me personally and from a business matter, and they hold me extremely accountable to what they believe and what I want my morals and my values to be. I, I would add to that that time matters. No matter what the relationship is like between the father and the son, that son wants and needs to spend time with his dad, so time matters. Secondly, it's never too late to take the first step in the right direction, dads. Never too late to take the first step in the right direction. Even if you're, you know, a grandpa and your son is 45 years old, it's not too late to take that. My dad and I put an amazing amount of healing back in our relationship when I was in my mid-40s. And I'm just so grateful for that. And lastly, and this is sort of an ironic thing, Wally, in the darkest part of a man's secret world, the things he's ashamed of, what he's afraid of, in the root of that darkness and those secrets are the seeds to a new life, a better life, and where his greatest strength can come from. When he can find the courage to face that darkness, he's going to find a whole new life in front of him. Wow, that is extremely powerful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that to both of you guys. What are some rituals that make the biggest impact in your life? 
Um, I, I think it's I, – I love my mornings. Um, I think my parents, my, my dad spent some time out here on Father's Day weekend. He was surprised that I was actually get up early now, but I love my mornings. I, you know, <laughs> my, my devotions, my, my meditation, I read, uh, and then I finally get, you know, I go work out and I do all that even before, uh, getting, getting anything done with work because I feel like clearing my mind physically, mentally, spiritually, to get the day started for me, I, I, I'm starting to, I think maybe I'm becoming an old soul, but I, I'm starting to value my mornings a lot more. What about you, Brian? So for me, it's, uh, for me, it's, it, this doesn't happen every single morning, but most mornings I exercise. I have a prayer time. I have some reading time. Um, I'm a big believer in, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, I read the Bible. I just think if I want to know the mind and the will of God, I have to know the word of God. Uh, and then there, there's a group of guys that I like to get together with once a month, small group. Um, we're all starting something new right now. So we come and we ask each other hard questions and share our best ideas. And so I need that accountability from other, other men who are also husbands and dads and grandfathers uh, to, to, keep me, to keep me sharp and to keep me accountable. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Very, very good uh, rituals to hold on to and i'll tell you this morning and listen guys those of you who know you need to have rituals you've been listening to this long enough and you a lot of them sound very familiar but when you mess up a day you don't get it right don't beat yourself up too much just this morning i generally do not um pick up anything social media anything to read anything until i get done with my workout my prayers and my meditation this morning i picked up my phone (laughs) (laughs) and then I went to the computer, and now here I am talking to you guys, having not done anything that I normally do in the morning, and now chances are I probably won't get it done, so I'll just pick up again tomorrow. No big deal, man. Uh, So it's important that you don't beat yourself up too much over that when you do uh, miss something that you know is important in your life. That's my thoughts anyway. What are your thoughts, guys? you got to believe in grace, okay? (laughs) Give yourself grace as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What do you, we've talked about, you know, your book and definitely uh, your book is definitely an important read. I think for any man who wants to get connected with his son and children in general, but other than that, what are you reading or listening to that you'd recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Um, I'm a big entrepreneur. Uh, so I actually just finished a book called delivering happiness. It was a story of the Zappos and just talking about passion, purpose, uh, building a culture, doing things the right way, treating people the right way. Uh, you know, so that's from an entrepreneur side. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I was just talking to my dad the other day that my me time is in the car. And um, uh-huh. I'm big with uh, Craig Rochelle and his um, from a religious faith-based aspect in his life church sermons. But also he does once a month, he does a, a leadership podcast and uh, just coming from a guy, a man of faith, a man of humility, uh, but a very successful business man as well. Uh, you know, so I listen, try to try to fill my head with podcasts and books. And honestly, I don't I don't watch TV or do listen to much radio anymore. I uh, I had a good friend of mine who's a university president who said, Brian, you've read hundreds of leadership books. You you rarely can pick up a leadership book where you haven't already read all that stuff before. So he encouraged me to start reading classics. 
And I had never done that in my life. So I just recently finished reading The Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. And I'm reading Anna Karenina by Tolstoy right now. And what I'm finding in those books, not only are they great stories, but the the depths of the human condition of brokenness, forgiveness, uh, how the mind works, how the family works, uh, finding deep, deep lessons on the human condition in those classics. Um, also, I read recently a book by, uh, he passed away a while ago, his name's Edwin Friedman, a book called Failure of Nerve, Failure of Nerve, Leadership in the Art of the Quick Fix. He writes about how, you know, many Americans think we're getting stronger and evolving to a higher point. And the reality is, is that a big percentage of our population is devolving, not evolving. We're becoming emotionally weaker and weaker. Uh, and we're you see that every day in politics, social media, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, failure of nerve, I'd highly recommend that to someone who's in a family where there's not emotional, uh, healthy emotional boundaries. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Tender Lions is on the top of my list right now, Wally. <laughs> Well, I can definitely see why. And that last book that you mentioned, other than Tender Lions, is kind of the same premise of the book that I was mentioning earlier. It's about the direction that our society is going. The guy that wrote the book is actually from Canada, but he he incorporates North America into this whole thought process that are, we're getting weaker emotionally. And we're getting weaker, not necessarily physically, but he brings that up as well. But And he talks about all the different reasons why. So I definitely want to get a hold of that book as well as a contrast or maybe, you know, supporting and somewhat contrasting point of view. So that's all. I'll be definitely getting into that. So what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance, specifically since you've been, had the opportunity to work with so many of our youth and other men in the, other men and women in the community? Uh, wow. I think if we kind of recap what we've talked today about is, you know, humility and vulnerability, I think, are just so key to any relationship and business. Um, I, I think that what we talked about, power and fame and ego get in the way of, of so much stuff. and It's very toxic. Um, so I would just say accountability vulnerability, uh, humility is kind of the three things that I would say. Brian? I think that um, we have a lot of people right now who, because they don't have much emotional resilience, um, they're looking for their value based on the size of their social media or the type of car they drive or how big is their house. And so then you have to make up your own identity, you know, um, if you have an identity that's based in character and integrity or faith, uh, um, then you have something that's much bigger and much stronger to base it on. But there's this perspective that I call the closed fist versus the open hand. And if you just, like Wally, if you just, and our listeners, if they just take and make a strong fist right now, you know, what can you receive? What can you give away? How much can you hold? When your fist is closed tightly, you, you just have no potential. But when you open your hand, then you have this perspective of abundance. And I just believe that if we if we live a, 
a smart and disciplined life, respectful life that uh, there's always going to be enough to go to go around uh, if, if we're living smartly for, from our, our needs and not out of our wants. Wow. That's powerful. Absolutely. And that's right in line with what we're talking about here. And the last question that I have for you guys is, what does being a man of abundance mean to you? You already mentioned some of it, but let's just kind of roll it all in here. Uh, I was talking about, with my dad about this uh, this morning. I think my grandpa's a, 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 just an amazing example of abundance and fulfillment. Uh, a guy who grew up pretty much without a father figure, and, and he's he's grown into a, someone that has built his family with multiple kids and grandkids. And every time we talk now, he's he's he almost always cries just out of passion and love and fulfillment. And, and he he almost every time we talk, at least this is from for me. Every time we've had conversation, he goes, "I'm the richest man in the world," and mm-hmm. it has nothing to do about. Um, how much money he makes. It has nothing to do about, again, the house, the job, the car. It just, he is just so filled with his heart of love with, with from what his family brings him and how proud he is to have a family uh, that he has today. So I would just say the richest man in the world is, is my grandpa. Man, that's, that's beautiful. And for me to live with abundance, uh, I, I would echo what Jeff says about the importance of those relationships. Um, I'm also at a point now, I'm, I'm in the second half of my life, maybe even in the last third of my life. Um, and what I see now is uh, a real desire to take all, I, you asked me you know, to describe myself 45 minutes ago and I, the first word I used was broken. But you know, um, the fact that that fact that I'm broken and now put back together gives me a whole nother lens on life and my desire to to give away my time, my experiences, my money um, uh, is just something that I now look forward to and uh, know that um, somebody else is going to benefit from this. You know, if 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 I can affect a relationship between a dad or mom and their children in a way that helps them to build a stronger relationship, it'll strengthen their family. And our history has taught us that strong societies are built on strong families. And when the family deteriorates and breaks down, the society will crumble. And so we know that we're involved in something that's really important right now. And uh, we're, uh, we're going, we're going full blast on, on that. Yes, you definitely are. And I, again, I greatly, greatly appreciate it, both of you, for that. Now, we're going to close this up. Before we do, we're definitely going to have tenderlions.org linked up in the show notes. So, guys, you can go there and check that out. Definitely check out tenderlions.org. The book is there. talks about the authors, reviews, all that good stuff. But, guys, before I let you go, what did we not talk about that you want to ensure our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? And how else can they get more of you? Wow, this has been really, really a deep conversation, Wally. Thank you for uh, having a great format, for um, really helping us prepare. Uh, I think the only thing I'd like to share is that, you know, precisely in what we avoid as dads because of our upbringing or our fear or pride or whatever, right in what we avoid 
is where we're going to find our strength as a man when we find the courage to face that. I mean, uh, whether you're religious or not, John eight thirty two says the truth will set you free. You know, it may not be easy, but it's transformational. Mm, that's beautiful, Jeff. Um, I'll piggyback off of that. I, I think that uh, kind of going back to the basketball world, as I tell my players, be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, um, you know, you have to be okay with hard conversations, with deep conversations, with meaningful conversations. And it's okay to disagree um, at times because it it shows passion and uh, belief in in one another. But I say be comfortable being uncomfortable. You you can't just have surface level conversations. So when I'm when I'm working with my fiance, someone once said, hey, don't go to the marriage council when it's time for a divorce. (laughs) <laughs> you know, make sure you're having these hard conversations um, with, with your with your spouse, your loved ones, your family, your your business partners now, uh, because it, it you got you got to be okay with a little confrontation. Absolutely, I got to tell you, we get into some. When my all my boys are home, I, I got a 25 year old, a 19 year old, and a nine year old. My nine year old tries to get in the conversations as well, but when we sit around the dinner table or otherwise just hanging out, we get into some deep conversations. And my boys do disagree because of their where they're at in life. They do disagree with us and and our thought processes, and we just have those conversations. And um, I encourage it. I absolutely love it. So, God, I think I'm on the right track um, in that regard. Thanks for sharing that. And, guys, it's just been an amazing conversation. Both of you go out, live your life of abundance, keep paying it forward because it is making a huge difference. I absolutely know it is. And um, I thank you for it. No, we, we truly appreciate your time. And like like my dad said, it's uh, it's been fun. It's been extremely meaningful. And, and I think that what you're doing is extremely impactful on those that listen. We appreciate you. Excellent. I appreciate that. All right, guys. I know that some of you have strained relationships with family members that you really should and want to be very close with. Your action step right now today is for you to reach out to those that you love, even the ones that you haven't had conversations with in years. Pick up the phone, send them a video, however it is, but I strongly suggest you do it via video or audio, and just call them and simply say, I'm thinking about you, and I love you. That's it. You don't have to start a dialogue. You don't have to explain anything. Just call them, tell them I'm thinking about you, and I love you. Now, for those that you currently have a strong relationship with, strengthen that relationship. Take them out. Just do something, just you and that one person. And if you have multiple children, then do this with each one of your children periodically throughout the year, maybe every other month or something like that. These are things that you have to do to really engage with your family members and show them that you truly care about them and are thinking about them and have their best interest in mind. Look, I've said it before, I'm no therapist or anything like that. These are just things that I do within my family that strengthen and build my relationship so that I can live my best life of abundance. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.